Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson, and I am thrilled today to have uh, the co-founders of uh, Vessel Kitchen on with us today. Vessel's out of uh, out of Utah, and we've got Brian Reeder, and we've got uh, Nick Gradinger. Good morning, guys, and thanks for being here. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Well, we're super excited to, to hear about Vessel. Vessel, for all our listeners, is a, a four-location, currently a four-location uh, restaurant over in Utah. And uh, we're coming to you out of the big big state of North Carolina across the country just a little ways. So uh, you, may, you may notice the accent a little bit as we go, uh, or maybe more than a little bit because I'm all <laughs> Southern. But uh, again, we appreciate y'all being here. And, and Nick, I want to ask you to kind of start out and, and maybe just share with our audience a little bit about Vessel Kitchen and kind of how it, how you came up with it and how you guys got it started and the story behind it. Absolutely. Um, it was about seven years ago. I had moved to Utah um, and taken a job in Park City. Um, I had uh, worked in F&B for about 10, 15 years and as you know, and I'm sure a lot of your lead, uh, listeners can resonates with them that need a little bit of a hiatus. Um, so I've been out of been working in the digital media and marketing space for about five or six years. Moved to Park City and, and took a job in, in, the, in again in the marketing realm. And basically going out to lunch every day, took a look at the landscape and started noticing that I was was a little bit disconcerting what my options were. Um, and just as I looked at Park City which is you know, a small mountain town and then started kind of looking at the bigger scope in Utah in general, just saw a need for something bigger. Um, again, I'd been out of F&B and hospitality for about five or six years and started working on a business plan at night and had a rough idea of, of what, um, of something that I thought would be, you know, a great segment to, and a little niche to penetrate in the F&B world, which was just to do super quality food at an affordable price point in an aesthetic that um, is uh, significantly more elevated than the traditional fast casual or, or QSR restaurant. Um, and then said, oh damn, I need some help here. Um, started you know, leaning on some connections around town um, and got pointed towards Brian, who was the assistant director of finance up at the Montage and had a heavy um, background in, in hospitality um, on the entrepreneurial side as a you know, F&B director uh, for Montage Deer Valley and a, a number of other properties. And basically the two of us about six years ago sat down on a couch overlooking Deer Valley in Park City. I handed Brian a deck and I said, will you help me? And is this anything that you're interested in? And uh, I would say he was intrigued a little bit. And frankly, off we went. And so, you know, the inception of our company, especially for the first year, was two guys who had never met each other, starting to formulate uh, 
this business plan and starting to see this concept take take shape and kind of laughing along the way actually is we're just don't know a lick about each other <laughs> but but you know our, our complementary skill sets starting to 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 merge and all of a sudden we're funded we found a site out of nowhere and we were off and running that's that's awesome. How'd you? Uh, what were your first thoughts, Brian? I'm just curious when uh, when that deck got slapped down in front of you. you uh, yeah, <laughs> my my, uh, my first thought was uh, definitely that the market really really could use something like that. Um, I I had I had some projects down in Arizona and up in Portland, Oregon, where I grew up, and um, and so I I think I had seen some similar concepts. Um, in those markets, but certainly not in Utah in general and not in Park City and rarely in Salt Lake. So, um, so I definitely, uh, I definitely was intrigued. Um, I think my immediate reaction was that, that what he was looking at and looking for was how I eat, um, and, and, you know, kind of meal prepping and, and trying to eat on the healthier side, but not really counting as many calories or anything like that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and then I think that, the next reaction was, okay, we have, we, you know, we certainly have some work to do and need to figure out kind of where the, where the strong points are and where the, where the areas that need improvement are. Um, and, and yeah, I think, uh, I think it was great in some ways kind of building the relationship based on the business and then terrible in others, because like Nick said, we didn't, we didn't know the first thing about each other. And so not only are we trying to start a business, but we're also trying to figure out, you know, navigate the space of, how does this person work and how do they, you know, what are they looking for in this? So I think in some ways it was great because we, we were able to make the business kind of the, the focal point of the relationship initially mm-hmm. and let it blossom into, you know, a, I think a really solid partnership and friendship and, and, you know, brotherhood, but, but in, in other ways, it was definitely, I think, a, a challenge to kind of trying, trying to be doing all of that at the same time and trying to figure out the personalities and the, and the work styles and, everything associated. Well, that, that is uh, not, not what you hear every day when it comes to partnerships. Um, in fact, um, you guys are probably as far away um, on, on the scale uh, as any, anyone I've talked to, because typically they're, well, a lot of times they're families, you know, that are coming together and different members of the family get together and, and build a business. And other times there's, you know, friends, relatives, acquaintances that are coming together. So I could, certainly understand there would be some challenges not only in figuring out where the business is going but uh, kind of finding your way uh, and what your roles were and your strengths frankly for each other um, yeah. now as you as you've come together now have you been able to do you guys are you pretty distinct in your roles um, within the business and if so kind of I guess um, Nick what what role do you take it sounds like marketing and uh, some of that may be uh, part of your your skill set well, again, I think a lot of our stories Brian just touched on is he's figuring stuff out along the way. And so Brian, mm-hmm. you know, if it was up, if it was up to me, we wouldn't make a single dollar, but we, everything would be really sexy inside the restaurants. And that's where, um, again, we found this, this, you know, in the initial years, we found this blend of me presiding over sales, marketing, branding, kind of guest experience type stuff. And Brian has done everything kind of soup to nuts on the ops finance and just making sure that we are structured in a manner that's conducive for running a 
a profitable business and giving us the, the foundation for growth. Um, but, you know, it's funny you ask that because we're at a point right now at four units, you know, maybe this is something that resonates, you know, can resonate with someone who's looking at growth is we went to, we, we didn't open a second unit for about a year, almost two years. And then we opened uh, source three and four in January of 2020, having no idea that the pandemic was coming. And we had a, we were smack dab in the middle of a construction um, in March of 2020 for, for store four. And so basically had to look at each other and say, are we gonna pull the plug on a store that we felt could be, you know, potentially the leader in the brand eventually, um, or are we just gonna push through? Um, you know, and we can touch on, you know, details of that later, but long story short, we went from one to four units in like that and all of a sudden we're our entire, you know, the rest of Q3 and Q4 of this year. And, you know, we're gonna, after we leave you, we're gonna go sit in a four hour meeting talking about how do we get out of this, um, out of the, you know, kind of everyone kind of step on each other's toes and provide that infrastructure and that kind of stringent detailed outline of who does what, um, because when you go from one to four, uh, Brian made a great analogy the other day of, you know, and I think parents use this a lot of, you go from playing man to zone real quick. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're smack dab in the middle of that of, and, and, you know, we're excited and making some significant overhauls to our staffing structure, our leadership structure, bringing on new people so that, you know, we can have that solid foundation for, for four stores and provide us with, you know, a, a platform to grow. That's, um, well put. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that's a great challenge for anyone that's looking to expand the business. And all of a sudden you go from two guys in one location to four locations and a lot more guys, you know, and, and ladies, of course, uh, who all have important, um, roles within the company. And, um, you know, it's it, a question at, at that point of the infrastructure and you got to get that tight before you can really take it out any further. And in fact, you know, it's, if not for COVID, you would have probably had this meeting a year and a half ago, um, you know, as you opened up that store three and four. But um, so, so we'll, we'll, we'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's got the time, right? But uh, yeah. well, yeah, I'd like to back, back up and just, and just hear a little bit about kind of how you guys got through that three and four uh, launch with, you know, right in the, at the darn very beginning of COVID. So kind of what happened and how did you pivot or did you pivot and, and how'd you get through it? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think we in very immediately, uh, well, I think first we were very well suited to actually weather, weather the pandemic. Well, um, we're fast casual. Uh, we're certainly on, I guess the finer side of fast casual. I know there's right. now a, a bunch of different nomenclatures for it, but, uh, but definitely, um, we are, I think already well suited. We already had 30, 35% of our businesses as carry out or as online ordering. And so we were, we already kind of had that infrastructure built where we weren't a full service restaurant that was like, Oh my God, how do we even package our food? How do we know what to go container do we use and yeah. how do we make it look nice? Cause we were there. And so I, you know, we, we were able to immediately pivot to curbside service. Um, and, and I think our, we've always prided ourselves on being a nimble company and being kind of, you know, con continuing to push ourselves to to find better solutions to the, to the challenges that we face. And so 
I think we approach this largely the same. Um, we were fortunate to be able to secure, you know, payroll protection uh, money um, immediately to be able to pay the team um, and committed to basically using every dollar to pay the team um, to work or to not work. Um, but we we never, uh, we, you know, we, we certainly followed every guideline that, that uh, Utah put out and the different counties had different guidelines even between them. Um, but we were able to, uh, follow those and uh, never, never close a day. Um, and so we always had curbside um, and, and, you know, eventually brought back limited dine-in and are fortunately now back at full dine-in capacity. But, um, but I think that, uh, I think that what we were able to do well, aside from just resonating in the community and already having that infrastructure in place is we immediately looked at it as another challenge that we face, as opposed to some insurmountable obstacle that was just, you know, where we were going to roll over and just wait until the thing ended. And, you know, and we've seen the same supply chain issues and, you know, we're doing 800 covers a day per location some days and fast casual. And so when you're, when you're doing that volume, you, you know, we pretty quickly run out of broccoli or, or, you know, whatever product is, uh, is limited at the moment. So, um, so I think we've had, we've been very fortunate to assemble an amazing team that, that have, all evolved and adapted with us, um, and and really, I hopefully you know built a lot of uh, equity and trust with our with our our different location managers and teams to be able to you know have them kind of by our side to make sure that we're we're doing as well as we can because you know this has not been sunshine and roses. It's not been fun. It's not been easy. It's been it's been you know some version of hell with twenty hour workdays back to back to back to back to back until you know, your, your, uh, ears start kind of bleeding and, and you're, you know, you're, you're in that kind of fatigued state. And, yeah. um, and that's when the team around you lets you kind of rebalance. And, and that's when it's, that's when it's a huge benefit having business partners and having people that you can trust and, and respect and that you can lean on and, and be able to take that step back. And I think for those single unit operators, that's, that's probably, I would imagine that's the, the challenge or one of the big challenges they face. Yeah, that is very true. When you when you're the when you're the only one, especially or um, or a small group of you, it, it's really nice to have others you can lean on. And uh, I'm just curious about um, sales in those those units three and four when you when you open right there at COVID. Were they up to expectations or were they significantly off? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, <laughs> two, two very different stories, actually. So unit three, we opened in January of 2020. And so we had a couple of months kind of, you know, in a couple of months of, of, uh, momentum before pandemic hit. Um, but we saw, I would say at all three of the locations that were open, we saw 50 to 70%, you know, revenue drop immediately. Um, and then, Kind of fought our way through and and kept pushing and and fortunately bounced out of that within a handful of months and you know we were still down 25 30 percent but at least to the point where we weren't going oh no you know we can't sustain this any longer we have no cash what have you yeah. um location four was i think it's safe to say a bit of a surprise um where it was curbside only when we opened in mid-may and uh, we ran out of food on our first day and had to shut the restaurant down because, I mean, it was, I mean, truly like it was chaos because, you know, we'd been doing a couple grand a day at some of the other locations in the Valley and, 
And so we, we kind of forecasted to be, you know, okay, we'll do four or 5,000 and, you know, have a really solid opening day. And I think we cut things off at like 11 or 12,000 and went, okay, let's regroup and, you know, maybe, maybe bring some more people to this store to, to help offset. Um, so definitely a couple different stories, but uh, very fortunate that, uh, that that location specifically opened the way it did because it could have gone real bad. And uh, and and Nick, did you take did you take the credit for that being the uh, the sales and marketing guy? <laughs> you know, I mean that that is. So Jeff, we had our five year anniversary last Wednesday or this two days ago, um, and uh, that night is one of the most um, unforgettable nights, and we end up talking about it every couple of months, but. Um, it was terrifying. I mean, we had to make, like I alluded to earlier, we had to make that decision to continue construction. We've got a new store. We've got a two month old store. We've got two other stores that are down, like Brian said, 60, 70%. We're dealing with our personal lives with the pandemic and our families and navigating that entire. So, you know, we decided, you know, we cut the budget significantly for that store, but basically Brian had, we'd all been there all day. We had been shifting, we arranged some coverage for the rest of the week. And so Brian had some work to do up in Park City and, and took off. Um, again, you know, he was pretty humble with that. Like we divided and conquered throughout the first six, 12 months of the pandemic with PPP and like the amount of work that he put into the myriad of, of docs and filings to get us the funding to, to ensure that we could pay our staff and keep them secure was amazing but so anyways he leaves and i called him about 20 minutes later because the crowd that had accumulated outside for curbside like it, it was both like it was the weirdest dichotomy of feelings of so incredibly humbled that the community had come to respond to us but we were so in the weeds that that i was just laughing and and it was cool so basically said brian i kind of need you to turn around <laughs> he just walked <laughs> It was a uh, it was a really beautiful disaster, and yeah. again, Brian says I had thought in my head we'd do thirty five hundred, and it was all of a sudden it's ten k, and it was it was one of the coolest moments I think. Um, I've never felt so good to be in the weeds. Is, yeah. is what I'll say. Yeah. Well, I you know I love the concept, and and I meant to talk about this early on, but um, uh, you know I guess the I, I saw on the website I think I saw the term healthy and healthy ish. Um, as in terms of the menu and locally sourced. So uh, it sounds like that there was a big need for that in the area and, and you guys delivered. Uh, so, so, so far, are you, are, is that still the, the plan for the, the business? Will you always be healthy and healthy-ish or do you see additions, subtractions, any changes on the menu in the near future? I think for us, and I think Brian touched on it earlier, like, we've always been nimble. Our, our entire concept has been predicated off of flexibility. We've changed our menu close to 15 times since we opened five years ago because we love to innovate and we've made mistakes along the way, but that's become synonymous with Vessel. And I think that's resonating with the community. Um, so we'll always, you know, we're going to be continuing to push the envelope. We've got some, some stuff on the docket for our winter um, seasonal menu change. We'll leverage new ingredients. We'll explore new menu categories, and we just keep doing that. And people kind of know, people, our customer base knows that if we if we try, if we miss the mark on something, a we're going to raise our hand and go, ah, okay, that didn't go as we'd hope, but yeah. we'll make adjustments right away. And we're you know we're pliable enough to to make those changes. And 
And I think we'll always live in the healthy and healthiest realm. And that's something that, you know, in the earliest weeks, um, Brian and I and our chef partner, Roe Levy, did agree on early on. It was that we wanted to source local. We wanted to never deviate away from our core ethos of, of the quality of ingredients that we're using. But as Brian touched on the way he eats and, and you know, us both as former athletes, nothing that we do is calorically driven. Like we are a home base for people that are gluten-free, vegan. We're one of the two Whole30 approved restaurants in Utah and only a handful around the country. Keto, uh, we're a home base for people, especially whose children are celiac. Um, but while we resonate, while, while our concept and our food resonates with those people from a nutritional standpoint, we also serve mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and a bunch of delicious braised meats. And we're not going to tell you that it's all low calorie, but we will guarantee and put a stamp on it that it's just the most quality ingredients you can get your hands on and we'll never sacrifice quality um, for the sake of profit. And so that's where that healthy, healthy-ish blend comes in because you can come in one, you can, you know, Monday through Thursday, you can eat a, a really delicious vegan low calorie salad. And on Friday, if you want to blow it out, um, and have mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, and braised beef. You can do that, and you can know that there's no pres preservatives or or, or nothing uh, faulty in there. Uh, you know, I personally love that concept because my wife is a healthier eater than I, and um, so when we go out, you know, she she would enjoy the healthy side. I would enjoy the meat and potatoes, um, which is a southern tradition. Uh, you got to have meat and potatoes if you're going to eat. Um, so, you know, I, I think you probably reached. You know, you've reached all the audiences that you really, you know, that you really can with that concept. And um, it's pretty, pretty amazing story. I, I'm interested in, and if you don't mind, um, again, I'm going back and forth a little bit, but I'd love to know, and I think our listeners would love to hear how you decided with store one. So we're going all the way back. You know, you've got the first one up and running. You've been going about two years. I think, I think you said before you opened up store two. How did you make that decision? How did you know you were ready? Right. Ryan, you want that one? Want that Love one. it. Um, so I, I think that, uh, I think that it's, it's funny because I, I wouldn't actually say there was an active moment where we went like, kind of, you know, like did a jumping high five or anything like that. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I think it was more about like projects being presented to us or like locations or whatever it was. And the first handful, you know, we, we were still just kind of figuring things out and coming up with systems and processes because, you know, the day we opened versus a year later looked tremendously different operationally. And, you know, and, and Nick and Roey um, were, were in the store. I was still up at the hotel at the time and kind of, you know, from a distance um, helping as I could. But, um, but I, think, I think that we eventually got to the point where we started feeling secure in the, in the brand, the concept, the operation. And once all those started coming together, um, that's when both I started looking to exit montage because we could justify, you know, justify additional salary and kind of growth, um, in that mm -hmm. regard. And then, you know, instead of kind of waving the projects off and just being like, no, we're, you know, we're not there yet. We at least started looking at them and, and kind of evaluating what that process would look like and, and where we could go. But I, I, I would actually say there wasn't like a, I don't think it was a, unless Nick remembers differently, but I don't think there was like a active moment of like, we're ready to grow. I think it was more of a comfort level with where that, where location one was 
and that we would have the resources to dedicate based on the stability of store one that we'd have the resources to dedicate to another project. Um, and, you know, even as that happened, we had the first project that we had a lease signed on and everything kind of in the works for that fell through. And so we, we actually kind of, you know, had a, a setback in that regard. And, and so mm -hmm. that pushed us back another six months or so. So I would, I would say it was more of a comfort level and, and a confidence in the operation and in the team that we had and in the, the, you know, the day-to-day -day kind of moment-to-moment -moment success. Cause you know, I'm a, I come from fine dining and, and hotels and owning my own restaurants and what have you. And to me, the mantra is always, you know, you're only good as your last service. And, you know, once we started stringing together days and weeks of really solid, consistent, you know, service delivery, product delivery, and, and quality of product, I think that's when we started just kind of naturally feeling that confidence where instead of just waving those projects off, we could at least explore them and, and see where they'd go. Yeah, that's that's interesting because um, you know I think I think some people occasionally use the word opportunistic and um, and probably before you were ready, and I think that's kind of what you were alluding to, and and then once you kind of were ready, um, opportunities probably came across your desk. Uh, hey, there's a space over here. You know, yeah. you know, might that might that be an opportunity? But I think the key point there is that you had to be stable. You know, in, mm -hmm. in location number one, and and you know, for our listeners out there, um, especially some of those who are single owner uh, or single unit owners um, who've had it for you know five, ten, fifteen years. Um, you know, perhaps the reason they aren't going anywhere is that they don't want to take on, you know, another project and they're happy where they are. Um, but once you're stable, that is kind of the time to, to start opening your eyes to, to growth. And I think you've alluded to that uh, very well in your in your response. So thank you for that. Um, any significant outside of COVID and uh, have there been any, um, well, now let me back up. Let me, let me talk about training just a little bit um, uh, on the staff side. And I know staffing's an issue as well uh, with, with all of our uh, customers out there and all the restaurants. Um, so I, actually I'll start there. Are you guys struggling with staffing and how are you dealing with that? I'm, there's, I'm, I'm on a wood table. I'm significantly knocking on wood right now, but um, when, you know, the story goes like a week before there was the announcement on all the national news channels about COVID. We looked at each other and had heard some rumblings about this COVID thing and basically adopted this mantra of like, we're going to be in the trenches. We need every one of our team members to be with us. They're going to be scared. We need to take care of them. And I would, I would be lying if I said that, you know, Brian wasn't like absolutely instrumental with, I mean, the work that was done to secure that payroll protection was instrumental. The amount of like time it took um, to put that stuff in place and to put policies and procedures in place and to send a message to our team that we're going to take care of you. We're going to figure this out one way or another. It, it paid dividends. I mean, I, I, we, we never closed a day. You know, if people were scared about, uh, we didn't have to lay off a single one of our 130 members, uh, 130 team members, um, and we got them paycheck after paycheck. We found creative solutions to adjust our operations so that uh, tips went up. And I think that's held us in good stead as we started to come out, you know, despite the variant and everything going on, it's held us in good stead. So um, we made some, we also made some, some 
decisions in the past couple months that um, again, we're, we're led by Brian to, to raise the minimum threshold of we're going to guarantee a, a very competitive um, minimum hourly wage for all of our team members. And if we, for, for whatever reason, between hourly wage and, and tips, don't hit that in any of our four stores, we're going to cover the rest. And we're going to guarantee that you have that peace of mind that as we work towards some semblance of normality in our industry and in the world, that you can know that you will never drop below this very, you know, you know, a very attractive minimum threshold. And I think our teams responded to that. And I think, you know, they've went out and told their friends and we certainly have a myriad of challenges that we face every day. And, you know, Brian just gave a, uh, he had a team meeting every Thursday morning and we just, we, we can't afford to stop hiring and we can't afford to, to, to be complacent, even if we have some semblance of stability right now. So I would say that we're grateful and again, knocking on wood, immensely grateful for where we stand right now, but, but there's a level of volatility that's inherently going on in our industry. And we're basically just trying to, to, to enhance our culture every day so that people want to stay with us. Retention is high and we can eliminate turnover wherever possible and then find additional great team members to, to say, Hey, you know, this is what we've done in, over the last five years. Here's how we've executed and performed in the last two. This is our company culture. And we've got big dreams. Do you want to come along for the ride? Yeah, that, that, that's awesome that you could provide some stability to people. And that means a lot uh, in this day and time. And, you know, with the in this particular industry, I, I think COVID is, has definitely uh, reduced the available the available employees who want to work in the food service business or, the, you know, as servers and, and back of the house. And in addition, you know, you've got the, the political side with with the support that's out there for them. And, and we can't solve that one. So you guys have kind of attacked it the only way you could, which is, hey, we're going to make you secure and make sure that you've got a great income um, or at least an, an above average opportunity, you know, as long as you're as long as you're staying here with us. So kudos to you guys for kind of going in that direction, because it certainly impacts your margins. And how do you how do you recover that? Are you are you at a have you had price point changes? Uh, are you considering it? Uh, a lot of people have. A lot of people are just trying to absorb it and, and find other cuts. So I'll go to Brian because he's the he's the magic money man, right? I don't even know the answer to that. <laughs> no, uh, we've we've. Uh, it's funny because we didn't change prices for four and a half years. Um, not like not a single one, uh, and. I would say more as a result of food cost increases um, and just inflation and kind of everything. We we kind of, you know, because it's like coming from the hotel world where, you know, and like I worked at, I was very fortunate to work at some incredible hotels between Intercontinental and Montage where, you know, there's Palmetto Bluff down in South Carolina is a Montage property now. And there's, a, you know, a handful around the country. And these are average room nights of $1,000 plus. For the for for those properties it was like yeah I'll raise I'll raise prices every year because we're just getting tourists but and yeah. you know and and they don't care um or or they would they have a captive audience that that you know is going to have to pay it either way and so eighty bucks for a you know a steak that would be forty at a steakhouse um, is tolerable um, we we very intentionally I think modeled ourselves after as a local restaurant in a town in Park City where we we started in a town of 
of tourist restaurants where, you know, where every restaurant is, you know, going to do half off during off season because Mm -hmm. they, they don't need to, you know, they can charge the tourists, whatever they want. And then the local is kind of the, the scraps that they're picking up and, and kind of a byproduct. And we very intentionally went the other way and said, no, we want to be this high quality restaurant for locals. That's fast casual, that minimizes, you know, makes it a great value proposition and what have you. And so I think that that certainly factored into us not raising prices because we didn't want to be that company that's like, cool, it's every year, we're just going to go up by 50 cents or a dollar, whatever it is. And now all of a sudden, you know, what was a 10 or $11 plate is a $15 plate. And, you know, when we start seeing kind of that, that uh, guest count go down, even as check average goes up. Um, mm-hmm. So we long winded way of saying we, uh, we finally adjusted pricing um, in May and did so by kind of the narrowest possible amount that we, we felt comfortable with. So nothing went up, you know, and our average ticket is probably 1275 ish. Nothing went up by more than a dollar. Most things went up by 50 cents or not at all. And so our goal was really to make it kind of as tolerable and like make it as, as a, a, you know, like, okay, this will hopefully be the only one we have to have. And it's largely a result of volatility with pricing and with uh, cost modeling and, you know, with staffing certainly factored in, but I think we are, we've been in a very fortunate position, especially this year to, because we didn't close, because we have a model that's, that's kind of conducive to the, to the, you know, takeout segment and what have you, um, we've been able to bounce out of the bottom pretty well. Um, and, and so I think we, we wanted to invest in the team and invest in the quality of candidate we were getting. Um, and you know, we're, as Nick alluded to, we're now at 15 as a minimum wage where every single staff member, if you're a bus or dishwasher does, doesn't matter what you're going to make at least 15 an hour and it's only going to go up from there. Um, and so I think we've been incredibly fortunate to be in that position, um, and, and that we only have had to raise prices once in five years and by a pretty, you know, 5% or under, uh, you know, total, total margin. That's, that's impressive. So thank you for that. I appreciate you sharing the, the details and um, guys, the time is, is rolling on and uh, I want to be respectful of you guys time. We're trying to trying to get this in about 45 minutes. So we've got about five left. You know, and again, I can stay on here and, and listen to you guys all day because it, it's a learning experience for me. Every time I talk to, you know, owners and founders of, of the restaurants, I, I pick up something and I go, hey, how can I apply that to what I'm trying to do over here? Um, but anyway, I'm just just kind of got curious as, as you guys were talking. I'll ask each of you. And um, uh, again, we only have have a few minutes, but I'll start with Nick and put it put the pressure on. But you guys are now and have become over these years, you become the leaders I and mean, you are the leaders of the business and the organization. Have you had to change or how has your leadership style kind of had to change uh, over the years as you've grown or has it? Sure. And, and I didn't prep you for that question. So <laughs> sorry about that. I would say, um, I would say, I don't think my leadership style has changed. Like I'm more of a, my unofficial title that we always say is, is whimsical BSer, um, And I like getting in and, 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 and developing relationships with our employees. I, I'm, I'm more, you know, casual in my nature. I think I would say, um, I think I, I would say the most prevalent thing I've had to, I've had to navigate around is 
how to be a better business partner, how to be a better, you know, the, as Brian, as you know, as Brian and I have kind of touched on earlier, it's, it's about, um, we thrived in this dynamic of like yin and yang, our, our parent company is called oil and water. Uh, just because that, you know, that's the, the space that we lived in, but as we kind of touch on and something we're focusing on right now is, is how to, how to, you know, have, be more synergistic in, in, in having those complementary soul sets and being different individuals, but, but also finding a way to find that balance. And I certainly, we've certainly missed the mark and, you know, I've been responsible for missing the mark on that a, a plethora of times, but I think it's, it's part of this journey of of how do we continue to provide a level of stability for our team. And I think that starts first and foremost with, with us and finding a way to balance the responsibilities that it takes to run this business in a manner with just good, solid leadership and, and great decision-making from the top down. So I think that's probably been the most prevalent change for me. And I'm in the infancy of, you know, we're in the infancy of kind of making those changes and, and, and adjusting, but, um, I think the better it gets, the the more exciting our future gets with this company. Yes, sir. How about you, Brian? I think that uh, I would say my style is has evolved. Um, I, I've always, you know, I've I've ran big teams in the past and kind of, you know, had had different dynamics. Um, I think especially uh, especially in the last couple of years, uh, one thing that I've really focused on personally is. Um, is listening and, and trying to be the, the most empathetic, you know, and kind of, uh, the most empathetic and the most, um, balanced version of a leader that I can be. Um, you know, I, 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 I hate business books with a, a burning passion. Like I just, I'm not a business book guy. Like, and so I, I look at, you know, individuals usually and, and kind of autobiographies or biographies. And so, you know, major dick winners from World War II has always been always been someone I've idolized where it's kind of that follow me mentality. Um, and so to me, like my goal is always, you know, and and I I know Nick is very much the same way and much better at this than I am, but leading from the front and and being willing to do anything for, you know, that we're gonna ask someone else to do and making sure that we have that, have that connection and that that touch with the with the team where it's not we're, you know, we're, we're offsite and kind of, you know, away from them and not ever connecting with them, but making sure that we understand what their priorities are and making sure that's a, a huge factor in how we make decisions and, and what the future of the brand looks like and how we, how we choose to, to present ourselves day to day. That's, that's well put. And, uh, and I, I grew up with the business books. I, I'm kind of the opposite. I love them, yeah. but but I was in the corporate world at the time. And, and since leaving that about 10 years ago, um, I'm kind of, well, it's not that I don't read those business books. I really don't read them anymore, but uh, I'm kind of like you, I'm anti-corporate, you know, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, 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 you know, the, all the buzzwords and all the kind of BS stuff that you have to deal with in a, in a larger corporate environment. Um, it just does not resonate with independent business owners. And, uh, you know, it's not the same world that that business business owners of uh, small businesses live in. And uh, so I've, I've really tried to push all that stuff away. And, and granted, it's all in there. But, um, you know, just the words that you say and the way that you approach people and, and the way that you connect with them. 
um, you know, I think you have to have a different approach outside the corporate world. So that's just me, but I appreciate what you're saying was my point. Um, and you guys have, have been terrific. Um, it is, uh, it's been about, about 40 minutes here, a little more. And um, just any, any final words or advice that either one of you might would share with, um, with that independent business owner with the one location, or maybe the guy that's just getting ready to, or, or lady that's just getting ready to start their, their venture. Any, uh, any words of advice, parting words of advice, I should say. I got a quick one that I'm sure Brian will identify with. I would say um, there is never too much work or time you can invest in understanding if you have a successful single unit to understand why you are successful and why you would feel confident in exploring a new market or just a, a new site um, for growth. Understanding the dynamics of, of your population and understanding to a T your demo understanding you know the, the the situational kind of geographic things surrounding you know your current location you could never invest enough time or or lean on the resources of, of local brokers or anyone to to make sure that when you're looking uh, when you're embarking on that site selection tour for store two don't underestimate you know the nuances of what has made your first store a success so that you can pinpoint those things and leverage that to identify the perfect next site it's something I think we're, we're still after four units learning um, more and more every day and we'll never make another decision to explore another unit without checking off every single box or almost every single box of the things that we've identified. You, I guess, don't ever underestimate the amount of work and time and how much how, the dividends that that will pay in the future if you do the right things on that front. Yes, sir. Absolutely. How about you, Brian? Everyone will make mistakes. Some will be huge, some will be seemingly tiny. Um, I would say, I think that the, my biggest takeaway as of late has been make the priority how to, how to make those mistakes on the small stuff and not on the big stuff um, and how to kind of fail small instead of failing large. So, you know, we, we, were, we operate in a very risky, very, you know, kind of challenging and constantly evolving environment. Um, and so I think there's a, I think that putting the time in to understand why you're making the decisions you are and knowing that some are going to go your way and others are going to go the exact opposite way you thought they were going to. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of it and acknowledge and accepting that and being okay with, with going to sleep at night or not sleeping at night for some of us, knowing that, you know, sometimes it's going to go your way and other times it's not at all going to go your way. And it's not about every one of those being a win it's about how you react and how you adapt to whatever that whatever that that miss was because they're going to happen and if and if you you know roll over and die after the first one then pick a different industry and and you know and try to work to make those failures and those misses as small as you can by researching by going to people that are much smarter than you as i think we've we've always tried to do to to you know, hedge against any of those enormous failures and, and miss as small as you can and, and acknowledge that it's not going to be perfect all the time. Well, thank you. That was very well put by both of you. I appreciate you sharing that and, and our listeners, I'm sure, appreciate it as well. And I just want to thank you again for taking time out of your uh, busy schedules to, to come on today and, and tell us your story and, and also to talk about 
kind of the challenges and the ups and downs of getting from from where you are, where you started to where you are today, which again, for all the listeners in the, the Utah area, Salt Lake City and, and alike, uh, Vessel Kitchen. If you've not been to Vessel Kitchen, get there quickly. Um, those guys are, uh, are serving up some healthy and healthy-ish meals. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, take your, take your wife, take your friends, make sure you get down there. And if you haven't been in a while, make sure you get back. Um, and again, thank you both for sharing your, um, your knowledge and your experiences with us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Really, uh, really enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jeff. Yes, sir. Thank you. And for all our listeners, we appreciate you joining us again for another episode of Local Leaders. And we hope that you'll come back for our next episode. Uh, We're releasing episodes every Monday and Wednesday at 6.45 a.m. So uh, make sure you plug into your favorite podcast channel and uh, take a listen and hear the story of Brian and and, uh, and Nick at Vessel Kitchen. And we look forward to hearing you and seeing you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffcjohnson.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.